Just like an actual toolbox, you need to have a variety of financial tools at your disposal so your retirement portfolio can handle any situation that comes your way. Scott Searles is a certified wealth strategist and the CEO of Skybox Asset Management. He can help you build a solid financial plan that will stand the test of time. This is the Retirement Toolbox Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Retirement Toolbox. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Scott Searles, financial advisor at Skybox Asset Management, serving you throughout the greater Cleveland area and also in Bradenton, Florida. He has an office in Strongsville, and you can find the team online by going to skyboxasset.com, listen to past episodes of the show, and don't forget to subscribe. All the links you need are there, skyboxasset.com, and just look for the podcast link there on the website. Scott, thanks so much for taking some time out to join us once again. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Walter. How about yourself? Oh, doing pretty well. I know uh, you're probably, as we record this podcast, excited about good weather, or at least better weather as you go and uh, watch your daughters play lacrosse and, you know, being outside, you don't have to be bundled up quite as much these days, right? Well, you know, spring is definitely getting here, but you know what? My allergies have, have just been killing me. <laughs> you trade the I, trade the coat for the Kleenex, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I love the warmer weather and, and it's funny all winter long you're all cooped up in the house and then the warm weather comes along you get all excited to get out there to cut the grass do the yard work get outside and do all that stuff but number one i can't breathe and then number two i get tired of cutting the grass after like two months and i'm ready for winter to come again so i don't have to cut my grass every week well this time of year too is crazy because it just three or four days after cutting it it needs to be cut again and i like a little bit more like late summer it seems where you you can get a good two weeks between cuts that's that's a good frequency to me but when it's like not even a week has passed and you're already you know walking through a forest of grass you're you're ready to, for that to move on quickly yeah and this is the busiest time of the year for me too because i got you know all my girls are playing lacrosse so we have games at night and then i coach so i have practices and then it's still not you know it's still getting dark relatively early and yeah. you know i got to get home and try to squeeze in that grass <laughs> like you said a couple times a week sounds like you need to find the neighborhood kid who wants to make a couple of bucks I think I'm too cheap for that. I think I'm just trying to figure out a way to keep cutting the grass. Yeah. It's, grass is like the one thing that I'm like, I contribute that to the household. Like, you know, that I'm good at it. And, you know, you do feel a sense of accomplishment afterwards. So it's hard to unload that particular thing to, to somebody else. And it's one of those things, too, where it seems when somebody else does it, it's never as good as when you do it. Right, right. You're always going to be more picky about the uh, final product, right? Yeah, you'll have the landscaper come and the grass is damp and there's like trenches in the backyard and then you're all <laughs> aggravated. Well, it sounds like we're getting you all frustrated here talking about having to mow the grass so much. So let's let's put a cap on that conversation, move on to maybe something that's a little bit more uh, a little bit more pleasant, shall we? I'm ready. <laughs> all right. Well, we've got a great show on the way today. A little bit later on, we're going to answer a question from Lou. Lou is wondering a little bit about being in a lower tax bracket in retirement. Is that a good assumption to make? We'll dive into his question a little bit later on and much more on the agenda today. But as you might have seen when you clicked on the uh, link for today's show, we're going to talk about facing the realities of retirement planning. And these are the realities, Scott, of retirement planning that are things that are different, not just from maybe a generation ago, but we're talking about how things have maybe even changed so much in just the past decade or so that we really need to kind of recalibrate some of these realities of retirement planning. And I'm curious to hear how these things affect the plans that you put together for folks when it comes to their financial lives. I'll start you off with one reality that's, I guess, very easy 
to comprehend, and that's the fact that people are living longer. The stats certainly show us that and support that claim and idea. Uh, What's the financial impact of something like that? Well, you know what, Walter? This is truly not your parents' retirement anymore. People indeed are living longer. I mean, back in the 30s, you know, average life expectancy was like 60 years for a man and 64 for a woman. Now I've got clients that are in their 90s. And it, it's funny, I had a client, she just recently passed away last year, but she, her children had sent her to me in her 80s. And I remember her sitting in my office and, you know, we had to get some estate planning work done and different stuff. And she's like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm going to be dead in a couple of years. And she lived like 15, 16 years after that initial meeting. So people are definitely, definitely living longer. And what that means is that you need to plan and fund and you're going to need more money for your retirement than what you may not have anticipated to start with. You know, when your parents, when they retired, a lot of them had pensions and it made the planning much easier. You, you got your pension as kind of your core income to use throughout retirement. But now you're living longer. You need to fund this. Mostly everybody's relying on their own savings through their 401k plan. And you have to take into account things like rising taxes possibly in your retirement, which is going to mean that you're going to have to pull out more out of your retirement plan, pay the taxes in order to get what you're going to need to be able to live on on a monthly basis, and inflation. I mean, imagine if anybody could think back to what a car or a house used to cost 20 years ago. And now imagine what they could possibly cost 20 years from now. So that shows you that inflation and how the cost of everything is going up every year. So not only do you need to have your investments supply your current income, you also need to have them grow enough to be able to keep up with that cost of inflation and make sure that you can buy a car later. And that, you know, that loaf of bread is going to go up, you know, whatever percent that you're going to be able to live the same lifestyle 20 years from now as you do now. And you know, one other thing that a lot of people start talking about too is, is you know, nursing homes. And you look at that people are living longer and then you know, they end up having to go into a nursing home, but their body is healthy, but their mind is not. We haven't figured out that mind yet. So those stays in nursing homes are longer than they used to be because you know, you have somebody go in there and their body's completely healthy, but yet you know, the, their brain's not working the way it's supposed to, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great point that even though we're living longer, all these other complications come into the equation. You know, how healthy are we going to be living that longer lifetime? It's one thing, although I guess this kind of leads us right into the second reality or the second point, you're kind of hurt either way here. I mean, living longer is a great thing overall, but it just comes with all these other complications. But it's kind of that mentality of, all right, let's say we're, we're now instead of living to 90, we're going to make it to 110, Scott. Is 90 to 110 going to be a lot more like 90, or is it going to be a little bit more like maybe 60? Can we make that feeling of 60 to 70 last a little bit longer now? Maybe we're not feeling 90 until we get to 100 now. You know, how, how active are we going to be during those years? And we are seeing that as kind of another reality of retirement planning is that retirement sort of morphing into this very active stage of life where I think the old kind of, you know, mentality was, you know, you retire and you're sitting on the front porch, sipping sweet tea, rocking back and forth in the rocking chair. And that's not really the average picture anymore, is it? No, no. You know, Walter, you, you hit the nail right on the head there because 
I don't know how many clients I've had that have told me that they didn't know how once they retired, they didn't know how they had time to work before because they're simply just that busy that they're dealing with their grandchildren. They're going to all their grandchildren events. You know, I have one client of mine that, you know, they, they take a couple cruises a year. You know, they've gone to Europe several times. That also leads into retirement now is going to might be a little bit more expensive because you're active too. If, you know, people are going to be healthier, like you said, you know, 70-year-old is the new 50 or whatever, either way. But mm -hmm. I think you get my point that everybody's healthier, they're more active, they're doing a bunch of different things. It's going to require them to have more money in their retirement. And I see it all the time. A lot of people volunteering, picking up new hobbies. I got one guy building birdhouses. You know, they're just active much more active. It's not just a lifestyle question, though. It is one of expenses because you're going to spend a lot more money the more active you are. I mean, just look at any given, you know, Saturday, you probably spend the most money on that day and, and then Sunday probably right behind it before you start examining, you know, what your spending habits are on weekdays. And we have all this free and free time on our hands, Scott. We tend to go out and spend money in different ways, shapes, and forms. And that doesn't mean that those expenditures are frivolous, but we just have, you know, more activities to do and activities tend to cost a few dollars here and there. Well, the whole idea is that you work your whole life and you save money and you accumulate all this wealth so that when you do retire, you can enjoy yourself. And if you want to be active, if you want to do all those things, you know, you deserve to do those things, but you also need to be able to afford it. And that's where some planning ahead of time certainly comes into play because you need to be able to, to have the funds to be able to live the way you want to. These things have been kind of lifestyle conversations, and so is this next one. You know, people are living longer, point number one, in terms of the uh, realities of retirement planning. Retirement's a more active stage of life. But also the third point here, Scott, would be that fewer people are quitting work cold turkey. You know, a lot less people these days are just, you know, reaching that retirement date and pulling the plug and, you know, saying, see you later, everybody, to at work and just walking away. There's a more subtle transition, and that takes on different shapes and forms for folks. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because in the last two weeks, I have actually had two people tell me that instead of fully retiring, they're going to talk to their bosses and they're going to cut back to maybe 20 hours a week. Just one guy yesterday, you know, so that they can work a little bit less, still keep themselves active. They can kind of train the new guy at work mm -hmm. and, you know, offer advice to them and then move themselves completely out. So it's kind of like a little staged retirement. And they, they don't seem to mind that. Employers are happy to hang on to that level of experience, but at the same time, maybe be able to get that easier transition to a new employee or, you know, pay you less overall, but still be able to have you as part of the company and sharing your expertise and that kind of thing. Right. Because if you cut back in your hours too, you know, it makes, you know, their expenses a little bit less. You're probably making more than the guy that's replacing you. And, and uh, you know, I have a lot of clients too that kind of retire, but then they go into consulting in whatever industry they were in before. So they're just kind of, you know, helping other companies do different things and just kind of doing that as a part-time job, work when they want, make their own hours, still be able to do some of the fun stuff in retirement and still be able to keep their mind active. To me, and I know I'm quite a ways off from retiring, but to me, this is a huge point. The fact that the world has moved in this direction where you could maybe get away with that because it, it just makes so many things work. 
as you said, you can still experience now some of the freedom that comes along with retirement while still having maybe some built-in purpose into your life. If you love your job, you can continue to do that job, but maybe you weren't quite ready from a financial standpoint to fully pull the plug and begin retirement. Maybe you were still three or four years away from being able to do that. Well, this gives you that ability to retire a little sooner, but still have that financial support in addition to other resources coming you know, down the pike to where you can kind of you know, do this sort of halvesy solution, which I could see being very attractive to a lot of folks. Yeah. And you know, I also have a lot of people that they, uh, not a lot, but you know, they do a part-time job, not because they necessarily need that extra money in retirement, but you know, because they're bored, they want to be able to do something. They realize that when they retire and they go sit on the porch and sip their sweet tea and go play, you know, shuffleboard and just relax that that's not necessary for them. They want to do something else. And, and so they get a part-time job doing something just to keep them active. Yeah, that's a great point. Sometimes it's a money conversation. Sometimes it's a lifestyle conversation. Sometimes it's a merging of the two. These are the four realities that we face in retirement planning, how things have changed over the last several years, even quite a bit in just the past decade. Our final point to make here, Scott, takes us a little bit away from that lifestyle conversation and more to the true financial side of things and the planning side of things. And that's to look at the overall investing environment, whether you define that as, you know, just sort of looking at the stock market or just your options in general. And although there may be more options than ever before, would I be wrong in characterizing that the current investing environment for retirees is indeed more challenging than it used to be? It's more challenging than it's ever been, Walter. You know, back in the 70s and the 80s, people used to be able to retire. They put their money in CDs in the bank and they just live off the interest. You're able to do that because interest rates were much higher. A few years ago, I had a client come in. She was ready to retire, but her mother had put $2,000 in a 30-year CD at 14%. Wow. And at the time, <laughs> can we lock like, that lock in today? That money up for 30 <laughs> years. That's crazy. Crazy talk. It is. But, you know, then you look back and it was like a little piece of gold she had. 14% guaranteed every year for 30 years and that that 2 grand grew into something like 70 something thousand dollars over 30 years. And when interest rates were high, people could just put their money in the bank and live off those rates. But unfortunately, the way the environment is now, you can't do that. You can't put the money in the bank and live off the interest because you can't keep up with the cost of a loaf of bread going up every year. So now people are forced to take risks, investment risks that they didn't normally have to take before. So that means having a little bit of money into the stock market because we know we need to grow that money and we need to be able to keep up with the cost of loaf of bread. But we also need to have a certain allocation of those investments set up so that we can provide a good stable income to help supplement that. So it's become much harder, much more challenging, and that's where having an advisor that specializes like we do in that retirement distribution phase. And we can take a look at taxes and getting the proper portfolio based on how much risk you're able to take, or you even need the risk, the risk you need to take in order to get that proper return. That's where it becomes more and more important now to have a professional helping you along this path than just kind of winging it yourself. 
Now, if you'd like to talk a little bit about what we've discussed on the show today, if you have not prepared well for those realities of retirement planning and you'd like to talk a little bit more with Scott Searles about that, you can give a call to 888-742-0111. That's 888-742-0111. If you like to do things digitally, you can schedule a free consultation online by going to talktoscott.com. It's that easy. Talktoscott.com. And you can also pick up a tax-free retirement toolkit. If you're sort of new to the financial and uh, retirement planning world, great resource for beginners or folks who have never really delved deeply into learning about some of these types of concepts. In addition to listening to this podcast, you might find those resources helpful. Scott, tell us a little bit about what's in the tax-free retirement toolkit, and I'll tell people how they can get it. Yeah, so the tax-free retirement toolkit, you're going to get a book called Diffusing the Ticking Tax Time Bomb, which talks about how we have all this money in retirement plans and this is fully taxable money and different strategies we can use to minimize those. You're going to get a CD as well as some pieces of literature about a tax-free retirement. So there's a lot of good info in there, Walter. Well, if you'd like to get that toolkit in addition to maybe talking about meeting with Scott here in the near future to discuss your financial plan, you can do that by calling that number 888-742-0111. That's 888-742-0111. Or online, again, go to skyboxasset.com and you'll see there on the homepage where you can contact the team or uh, even order the Retirement Rescue Toolkit right there from the site. Again, free resource Just look for the Tax-Free Retirement Toolkit on skyboxasset.com. And we'll put the links and all this information in the show notes of today's episode. So depending on what app you're using, just check the description of today's show, and you can see where you can access all of that great information. Scott, thanks for walking us through that conversation on how it's just really important to face these realities of retirement planning, the new realities that we need to embrace. And I think it was helpful information. Yeah, I certainly hope everybody enjoyed it out there. It's getting to know you time. Well, it's time to get to know Scott a little bit better on today's program. I always love peppering him with uh, kind of fun questions to get to know his personality a little bit better. And I think we'll get a chuckle out of today's question. Scott, what clothes or styles, perhaps, did you wear in the past that make you laugh a little bit when you look back on it now? Walter, you're killing me. Did, did, did my kids put you up to this question? I know. I, I think we need to get photo evidence, too, whatever you're going to tell us with, that we need to put into the show notes today. Well, you know, my, my kids would tell you that I still wear funny-looking clothing. So, <laughs> so this is not necessarily looking that far in the past. Right. But, uh, you know, I, boy, you know, one of my less proud clothing choices would probably be when I, I went through my break dancing phase and oh, no. I used to wear those parachute pants and uh, oh my gosh yeah yeah I, I don't think there's actually any pictures in existence of that if I think I've already destroyed them oh that's too funny where these were like the the multicolored parachute pants oh yeah yeah <laughs> and at the same time I was working out so I can't add those big puffy workout pants too you'd see the bodybuilders wear yeah it was rough. What was your uh, go-to breakdance move, if I may ask? 
Well, you know what? I, I really wasn't good at any of them. So, so <laughs> flop it, flopping around on the ground. That, that yeah, it. <laughs> it was a lot of flopping. And I do like the wave with my, you know, with my arms and, and shoulders. I'm doing it now. I know you can't see it on the podcast, but it's still bad. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. I was known to do the worm every once in a while back when, when I was younger. So I can identify with where you're, with the angle you're coming from. I'm not saying it was a good worm, but, uh, you know, just one small example of how we probably all go through that phase at some point. Well, hopefully you dress better than I did. Yeah, I don't know about that. I uh, I look back at pictures when I was really little, and uh, apparently I went through quite the uh, overalls phase. Um, <laughs> with like, I would always, I kind of, uh, my wife says, you know, the show uh, or the characters, the minions from the the kids movie, uh, Despicable Me, the yellow little weird yellow creatures that don't speak. Yeah. They speak sort of a hybrid Spanish, Spanglish, yeah. English language. I look like a minion because I would always wear these yellow undershirts with these overalls. And so uh, <laughs> my wife, Connie, always says I look like a minion when she looks at little pictures of me as a little kid. So I say <laughs> I was just ahead funny. of I was just ahead of my time. You know, it was just. Yeah, like, minions are cool, though. Yeah, they're cool now. So see, yeah. I just I was a little minion when I was a kid. But uh, <laughs> it, it gives me a good chuckle whenever we look back. Well, very cool. Thanks for uh, filling us in on that. I don't. I still believe that there's got to be some photo evidence out there, but something tells me we're never going to see it. So, well, yeah. If I find it, you will be the last to know. There you go. <laughs> Too funny. Too funny. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Well, time to check in on the mailbag before we wrap up today's program. And this question comes to us from Lou, Lou writing in from Avon Lake. And by the way, if you have a question, you can submit those online at skyboxasset.com. Lou says, I've always assumed that I'll be in a lower tax bracket in retirement, Scott, but now I'm questioning whether or not that's true. What do you normally see? Well, Lou, you are starting to see the light. You bring up a very good point And you know, most people have been led to believe that when you retire, you're going to be a lower tax bracket. But the reality is, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be true. When we take a look at our environment out there, when we look at the government, is that we have Social Security that's underfunded right now, and we know that's going to have issues in the next few years. Medicare is very expensive, and we have got a huge national debt. There's more and more evidence out there that says that we're going to have to get money somewhere to continue to run the government the way we do. And we know how the government is. When they give something, they never take it away. It's very hard for them to do that. So the reality is, is that more than likely tax rates are probably going to be going up in the future. We're at very low historical tax rates right now. And we had that new, you know, Tax Cuts and Job Act of President Trump's last year. And you know that actually has been helping a lot of retirees. I'm starting to see this year because they have that standard deduction of $24,000 now for a married couple. So basically your first $24,000 worth of income is going to be free. But I'm telling you, Lou, that is not going to last. Getting a proactive plan in place now to make sure that if tax rates do go up, that you're prepared is going to be more important than ever. And you know that's where that tax-free toolkit that we have, it focuses specifically on that. You can hop on the website and order one for yourself, and I think it'll give you a lot of good information, Lou. 
And again, those uh, different ways you can get that retirement rescue toolkit from Scott Searles and the team at Skybox Asset Management. Go online to skyboxasset.com or give a call to 888-742-0111. That's 888-742-0111. And you can always schedule that time to talk and meet with Scott online as well at talktoscott.com. That's talktoscott.com. Well, Scott, thanks for the great information on today's program. Fun as always, and we'll do it again next week. Yeah, thanks so much, Walter. We appreciate it. That's Scott Searles. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for taking the time out to join us. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. We're on iTunes, Google, Spotify, and everywhere podcasts are found. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you on the next show. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time on The Retirement Toolbox. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.